This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. Geek loves you, rock out! You sound like a Peter. That's it, man. That's the intro this week. Decibel Geek loves you, rock and roll. You ready to thought went into that? You ready to rock and roll? I'm way past ready to rock and roll. <laughs> We've been rock and rolling for a long time already before we even started this today. So we're gonna have a really Really, really good time this week <laughs> because it's Kissmas in July. Yes, We've got a really awesome guest. Yes. We're gonna have some fun just like we always do. Kissmas in July, our favorite time of year. We love rock and roll all the whole year round, but yeah. Kissmas in July is a little something special because we concentrate on our favorite band, Kiss. That's right. Yeah, say it like that. And we're gonna trim the fat this week. We're not even gonna put a break in the middle of this. We're gonna do rapid fire style and just go through all of it all at once right now. Balls to the wall. So we got an iTunes review first. We do have an iTunes review. Hold on, let me catch my breath. Here we go. The phone's ringing. The timing's on. Here we go. Five stars iTunes from M. Burren in Sweden. And it goes a little something like this. Just simply a great podcast. That'll work. Five stars. I'll take it. We'll take it. That's beautiful. Thank you very much for giving us that five-star iTunes review. You want us to leave us a review? Do it. Don't let nothing stop you from leaving us a review, especially if it's a good one. If it's five stars, we'll love it. You know we'll see it. You know we'll love it. You know we'll read it. Simple. That's right. Booyah. So, Geeks of the Week this week. These are the people that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter. Yes, I am slowing my words because I've had a few beers. This is a, this is a this this ought to be good because you're this is a, a thick um, list here. You're going to have a much more sober version of me in the next few minutes when we get to the interview. <laughs> um, of the week this week Some kind of crazy drunken time warp going on here. The Matty P and E show. Shane Co- Sean Cullen, Rich Canamar, Thomas Mukaji, Shane Abair, Dave Huckridge, and Wildly Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. David Alpazar Spicoli, Chris Car- Chris Carum, Mike Robinson, Cobras and Fire Podcast. Greg York, Joe Royland, Sit and Spin with Joe Drop, Robin Bennett, Tim Dodge, Kenneth Roy, Mike Tyler, The God of Thunder, Greg Johnson, Joseph C. M. Belly, Greg McGlone, Brant Cattell, Rock and Run Runyon, Kevin Williams, Wayne Cross, Darren Parkin, Joy Vancieri, Joe Polo from Cop Podcast Rock City. Adam Cox, Joe Lascon, Robert Foster, Trevor McDougal, Andy Parker, Spencer Wetmore, Mikhail Burrell, Baco, Brian Knapp, Peter, Peter Fazzalo. It sucks that I have to do this. Um, I love it. Uh, let's see. Peter Vasallo, Joel Hebensberger, Aaron Baker, Joe Mama's Wrestling Podcast, Andrew Jacobs, Mark Alden Taylor, Sean Franklin, Ruben Garcia, Hello. Uh, Ernesto Aguiar, <laughs> Paul Watson, Darren Hillowell, Colin Francis, Jules, James McElhenney, Jay Shablewski, the TMJE Podcast, Collins, Daryl Albert, Derek Novak, and the Mooger Fuger. If it sounds like we're having a good time, it's because we are. And we have. And it's because it's July. It's Kissmas in July, and this is the Decibel Geek Podcast. So, so if we're going to go ahead and skip the yeah, break, let's just we're, gonna, we're, just right gonna, we're just going to run through it all. So let me tell you a little something about DecibelGeek.com. It's the place to go. It's the place to go if you love Decibel Geek, if you love Kiss, if you love rock and roll. It's the place to go because you're going to find all kinds of awesome stuff there. Do you love rock and roll from the 80s? I do. 
then that's the place to be. Do you love Pantera? I do. Holy shit! There's there is a and a Decibel Geek article right now that's gone completely freaking viral. Yeah. Involving Phil and Selmo. Hell yeah, man. Yes. Metal Mike from uh, our Instagram page. Rock on you, my friend. You're kicking some ass Great out there. Work. Rich the Meister Dylan, he yes. keeps decibelgeek.com rocking day yes. in, day out, Great day stuff. in, day out. We're here with you one day a week. Decibelgeek.com is with you every single day of the week. That's right. All kinds of new stuff every single day. Your place to get a t-shirt. Your place to get hooked up on the latest and greatest news in rock and roll. All thanks to Rich the Meister Dylan making that happen. Kudos to him. And to all our awesome writers wherever you are on the planet. See, we're Chris and we're Aaron. We're here in Nashville. We get to see a lot of great rock and roll shows, but we do not get to see them all. We do not get to talk to everybody, no matter how many cool people we've had on the show. We cannot possibly talk to everybody. I wish we could. That's why the Decibel Geek is like a black hand creeping over the globe. Can you picture that in your mind? Yeah. I totally. got to come up with a graphic for that. It's a rock and roll thing. And we're covering everywhere because we've got writers in Canada. We've got yep. people from Australia. Yep. We've, heard, we, we've heard from people in Ireland. England. I mean, England. I mean, Chris keeps reminding me. I keep repeating. Bangladesh. They're, they're everywhere. Not really, but everywhere. Because yeah. yeah. they're banging in Bangladesh. Hell yeah. Decibel Geek's there to film it. That's right. Okay. <laughs> decibelgeek.com is where you're going to find your links boom you want to help us out the number one way you can help us out is by going to our Amazon link there's two important links right there near the top of the page it's our Amazon banner and it's a banner right right near it called HK Collectibles Inc Mm -hmm. and HK Collectibles Inc they're our friends. That's Daryl Albert. You hear us talk about him every week. He's got some really, really awesome stuff, including the seasons of Breaking Bad on DVD, yes. as well as tons of 70s Playboy magazines. Lots of Bush. Lots of Bush. He's got all kinds of pop culture stuff on there all the time. New stuff. Head on over to DeskWeek.com. Click on the banner, HK Collectibles, Inc. It's going to take you right to Daryl Albert's site. You're going to check it out. Wheel and deal with him. He'll talk to you. A lot of cool what, stuff. There's so much He'll cool stuff. Just just go there and get lost for a little while because Outfit there's your man cave. so much cool stuff. Yes. You just got to see it. And if you're buying anything off Amazon, it doesn't have to be anything in particular. No. It, it can be anything at all. That's right. And whatever you're buying, you say, I'm going to go to Amazon to get it because good Lord knows, Amazon's got everything. They have everything. So whatever it is you're after, they've got it. You're going to go there anyway, but stop. Before you go there, mm-hmm. go to decibelgeek.com. Click on our Amazon banner because now what you're doing is you're doing all your normal shopping on Amazon, except what you're doing is you're helping us. Yes. Because by going through our link on our website, if you got past the buying the T-shirt, you got past all the cool articles, you're finally doing your shopping. Mm-hmm. Now, whatever you buy, whatever it is, it, does, it doesn't have to be Kiss albums. Mm. We think it's anything. we think it's extra cool when it is. Oh, of course. But it doesn't have to be Kiss albums. No, no, no. It can be anything. As you're going to find out this week, because a lot of people do go through our link. Yes. A lot of people do help us out. We love them very, very much. We get the list. Doesn't say who bought what, but it says what you bought. Yeah, and there were a lot of things on the list, so I had to kind of be a little discriminative on this, uh, or else it'd be a whole episode of me reading the list, and you so don't want that. So thanks to everybody, mentioned yes, or not. All of you are awesome for doing it, but some of the more notable purchases on Amazon, this link, um, Epson PowerLite Pro Elf 
three LCD projector for $4,000. Holy shit. See, that's what I'm saying. You go through our link, you buy this $4,000 thing. We get a good chunk of that. That adds up. But the thing is, is whoever bought that, they did not pay a penny no. more than four thousand dollars. You were going to pay, but, we, if, if, but it if they look, us. if you see it on there, it's four thousand yeah. dollars. That's what you pay. You don't pay a dime more. But Amazon takes their piece of yeah, it. We get a and kicks it to us. So do it through our link, guys. It please. really makes a difference. Go to your jobs and set up everybody's computers oh, so do. their Amazon goes through our link. You know, Someone bought it doesn't a, hurt anybody. A couple of laser jet printers. Those were not cheap either. That's awesome. Thank you. It only helps um, rock and roll. Some about a penny pastel skateboard. That was. Nice. Nice. That's cool. In tools, uh, Porter Cable tooth cutting saw blade. So nice. Blackie Lawless shops through our link. Yes. A Rockwell circular saw kit. Which That's freaking cool. awesome. We got some maintenance men That's out there right. rocking for the working man. Um, on DVD, Friday the 13th, parts one through four was bought. Scary. I don't know. You could buy the first four parts on a DVD. That's pretty neat. I may have to do that. Um, on Kindle eBooks, and you'll uh, understand this for next week's guest. A Why the Monkeys Matter ebook was about teenagers, television, and American pop culture. Hey, man, you can't deny that's a very cool story, and you really can't deny some of them monkeys. The monkeys are kind of cool. I gotta give them credit. I mean, I mean, this is the Decibel Geek podcast, but yeah, the monkeys are all right. I, guess. I like the monkeys. And uh, in music, pretty sparse this week, but uh, Crazy Licks, one of the newer bands, Sound of the Live Minority, was bought. REM Up was bought. Okay. So Ian Wildley's been shopping through our link again. He totally has. And Brighton Rock, Young, Wild, and Free was bought. Yeah, Brighton Rock. Produced by our very young Toby Wright. Canadian metal right there. That's awesome. So thanks very so much, cool. guys. Thanks to everybody that does their Amazon shopping through our link. It means a lot to us. It keeps this show free every single week. You know who else is our sponsor? I mean, we talked about HK Collectibles. Mm-hmm. We talked about Amazon. We have to talk about our VIPs because those are the ones that float this rock and roll boat all year round, not just in Christmas in July, but all year round. You want to become a VIP? Here's what you get. All kinds of cool stuff. Yep. You get additional content. You know, if if the hour or so that you get every single week is not enough for you, you want a little bit more, then the perfect thing for you is to become a VIP because we're offering all kinds of extra content, crazy stuff that you'll never, ever hear on Decibel Geek. Sometimes stuff that we get in interviews that later on when it's over, they say, don't include that. Right. We include it for our VIPs anyway. You guys are the best. Don't tell those guys. It's a secret. So, with all that aside, I'm ready to talk about KISS. I'm ready to talk about some of the greatest drummers that ever existed. Serious drum talk coming your way. Oh, my goodness. If you are a fan of <laughs> KISS and you are a drummer... You're going to love this. You are going to be totally blown away by this. And there's yeah. a lot of great other KISS I mean, stories, too. You can, you can be a fan of KISS and also a drummer. Yes. Or a drummer and also a fan of KISS. This is all going to be good. It, as a matter of fact, if you're a fan of Accept, this yes. is going to be awesome. If you're a fan of the Decibel Geek podcast, this is going to be awesome. In other words, it's cool. Either way, man, we are about to have a good, good time. So, Chris, are you ready? I am. All right, let's get right to our talk. Kiss Miss in July celebration with the one and only, the current except drummer, Christopher Williams. Here we go. Like some other we um, 
we were, we were in Munich, Germany, and we got there uh, as an overnight bus ride. So we got there at like seven in the morning, I think, and got off the bus. And um, some of the guys went back to the hotel. I opted to stay there mm-hmm. all day. So I'm like, we're in Olympic Stadium in Munich. This is, you know, Rock and Revere. And, like, this is a huge deal. So we're outside of the stadium and get off the bus. And um, I'm hearing all these old, old, obscure Kiss bass lines. Mm-hmm. Like deep cuts from the first three records. And my friend Michael uh, was Gene's bass tech at the time. Or I thought he was. <laughs> that's my text message notification. Oh, that's that's awesome. awesome. Paul Stanley, ladies Paul and gentlemen. Paul just wanted to agree with you. Yeah! Um, yeah, like a few weeks earlier, we'd seen them in South America, and he was still working for Gene. And at some point in there, he had trans- transitioned over to Judas Priest, unbeknownst to me. But So I hear all these bass lines, and I'm going, no way, that's that can't be Gene. Why the hell would he be here? They won't even fly in until later this afternoon, yeah. you know, that thing. And I'm going, oh, it's Michael probably just knows a bunch of kiss licks or something. And then as I get into the stadium, I'm looking and squinting. I'm going, no, no way. It's got a ball cap, whatever. Mm. It's got to be a tech. And I step up onto the deck, and there's the old, the classic kiss army banners. You know, those you things know are one? huge. Yeah. yeah. And standing underneath him and smiling like a little kid. And then I look out on the deck and sure shit, it's Gene Simmons. Shit kickers in a ball cap. <laughs> and he's working in his new bass tech and they're just practicing clipping him in and oh, out yeah. of the oh yeah the uh, guitar straps. And so he's just throwing guitar picks at everybody that moves and yeah. nailing them. And Paul Bassett's just about to finish with Eric's kit. So he's up there hitting everybody with picks. <laughs> Of course, you know, the nerd in me is freaking out. And then at the same time, I'm just kind of like hanging back, observing. Yeah. And as soon as they all left the deck, I, of course, ran around Scour. and scooped up all the Because <laughs> they, you know, there were a ton of like the Japanese <coughs> picks, you know, from that tour that they just throw out, which are like thinner, flimsy. Oh, the They're... ones that they put like the city name on? and Well, like they had them all for Japan... Because they had just done that a few months earlier. Yeah. And they had some stuff from South America left over. And oh, okay. They're just really flimsy picks yeah. that are just made to throw, made away. To throw away. Yeah. Um, so I got a bunch of those, but then I got the, the gray ones mm-hmm. that Gene the plays Herco with. Pick. Yeah. Yeah. With the texture. Like, and a, it's like got, a tortoise shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's got his uh, signature stamped into yeah. it and all that. So. Those are the rare ones, kids, yep. if you don't already know. They're the hard ones. Those are the ones that he actually uses. And he uses them because of the blood and the sweat. Yeah. Because it'll make it's it got a, got a texture oh, yeah. Yeah. embossed into it. So so I ended up with a bunch of those. Sweet. I gave some to Jeremy and Phil and uh, E.T. Yeah. and them. Yeah. I'm sure they love that. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> here you go, dude. Fresh from Gene's hands. Cool. Nice. It's got DNA on it. That's nice. Yeah. So let's go back to the beginning, because you're a younger Kiss fan compared to a lot of the fan base. Oh, yeah. So how old are you? Uh, I'm 30 at the time. 
at the time. <laughs> Don't worry. It's coming at the moment, the, the time, time whatever. I'll be 31 in November. So okay. where was the first time that Kiss ever even came into your consciousness? Um, well, I don't remember much of it. I know that my brother, he's my only sibling. He's five years older. And he and his best friend, he swears up and down they used to listen to Kiss all the time. And the only flashback of that that I have is... Years after I became a KISS fan, I saw the I Love It Loud video mm -hmm. at a friend's house, and I recognized it. Right. And that, I think, is the only recollection from him being a KISS fan that I remember. But he swears up and down his friend CJ had all these bootlegs and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, for me, personally, what I remember was seeing them on Unplugged. Yeah. I remember watching that show at my godmother's house, and... I just fell in love with the music and her daughter came in at one point just walked through the room it's like oh yeah guess the guys with the makeup and the tongue and look at her like she's crazy because there's no makeup you know he's not waving his tongue and like what, are, what is she talking about you're nuts yeah he kept you his know? tongue in his mouth for that yeah, yeah. he didn't want to get it dirty on the floor oh god <laughs> I've heard that a couple times, as have all of you listening. <laughs> oh, um, he must know what a girl with big breasts feels like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah deep and wide. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Unplugged, that's a, that's a good way to break into yeah. being a fan. Yeah, so that was, that was the one that grabbed me. And I remember seeing fo uh, like photos and stuff as... As friends in my my age group, you know, like their dads were handing them stuff as the buzz got out about the reunion yeah. starting to happen. This is, of course, later. Yeah. And um, the one that grabbed me ultimately and made me a, a super nerd was the VMA performance. Oh, yeah. Mm. At the... Uh, the Fulton Ferry Landing. That one blew everybody away. You just went there, didn't you? I was. I saw your Facebook pictures. Yeah, we did, uh, with Andrew, we did a show in Brooklyn at Coney Island. And we got in the day before, had a rehearsal, and I don't think we had lobby call until like 5 or 6 p.m. the next day. So I got up early and did my KISS pilgrimage, <laughs> my kiss edition, if you will. Nice. And went all over, you know, 10 East, 23rd, and then I went mm -hmm. to uh, 28, uh, 23rd and 8th, Address I think it's Dress to Kill. And um, the very first stop was the Fulton Ferry Landing. And, you know, trying to find that was a bit of a pain in the ass. So the night before, I'm I'm looking at the Love Gun sound check, mm -hmm. you know, from... I love that footage. The, the sound check at that show, and... And I see the Brooklyn Ice Cream Building, oh. and I find it on a map, and thanks to Google Maps yep. with the street view, I was able to go, okay, that's it, that's it. Okay, that's that music party barge that's right beside them. Yep. Got it. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget walking around the corner, kind of coming down the street, and seeing the Mike's Ice Cream, and then seeing the dock, uh -huh. the decking out back, and just, uh, <laughs> like, oh my god, that's the spot! Yep. So, like any proper KISS nerd, I, you know, got out the phone and did the panoramics yep. and 
shot of the building, found roughly where Peter's riser would have been sitting, you know, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, that was the shit. That's and then awesome. Just continued from there. Um, went up to what is it? I th- I think it's a Lutheran church or something up there where people said for years it was the door from the cover of the elder. Oh, which right, right. In fact, isn't true. It may have inspired it. Yeah, they had that built. Yeah, that was built in a uh, photo uh, studio. Yep. You know, and everybody knows it's Paul. Do you know there's a a detailed book coming out on the Elder later this year? Oh God! Like something else to spend my money on. I think it's like it's going to be like (laughs) I think like four or five hundred pages or something crazy like that. Jesus! Wow! Everything you wanted to know about the Elder, but we're afraid to ask. And there's going to be people that buy it just so they can burn it. Well, I'm not a fan of the album myself, but I, I but I that but it's a fascinating period of the band. So yeah. I still want to read everything about it. Uh, what did I? I just saw something the other day. You know, Facebook does those uh, timeline reminders mm-hmm. one year ago yeah, or yeah. whatever. Um, where that we were somewhere, some somewhere in Europe, in like a an off the beaten path kind of city and they had a hard rock um where where was that that um i think that was hamburg so not off the beaten path it it may have been hamburg it was somewhere somewhere in germany but uh they had a hard rock and i remember uva and i went there uh the night before the gig after sightseeing and sure as shit, they had Paul's elder costume. No shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And so I just got the the photo reminder the Can't other day. It all, huh? It's like, oh shit, that's awesome. You know, that was worth the thirty dollar burger in itself, right? Tasted like a McDonald's burger. Dude, it's it sucks. I mean, it's that's that's kind of one of our things. Like, if there's, you know, of course I'll go out and do all the sightseeing that I can and try and eat it at least one or two local restaurants and get some of the local fare, but I like going to the different hard rocks to see the memorabilia. Well, sure. You know, if there's one within a cab distance or walking or whatever, I'll try to go. Um, Even in New York, I I ran out of time, but I saw the hard rock there. I wanted to go in, and eventually I saw what they had of the KISS stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that's cool, but whatever. There's one in... Thailand, I think, that's got one of Vinny's guitars. A friend of mine just went there. One of them, um, I forget where it is, that that Peter Chris Drums website. Yeah. I wrote into that guy with a bunch of corrections, and um, one of the Hard Rocks has the majority of the Love Gun Alive 2 kit. Really? And it's and I've written him, and I, he still hasn't updated it, but he says that it's uh, gold and black stripe. And the gold is actually just yellow and dust. It's just dust and the yellowing of the the mirror chrome. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So for all you people out there that are that think that oh it was black chrome because the color said that it was black and mirror chrome striped. And you can take it from this guy because he's a Kiss drum professor. I am of the I'm, highest regard. I'm a super super nerd. I know more about Peter Chris's drum kits probably than Peter does. That's a, that's a safe bet. Yeah, yeah. I've I've read some of his 
recent accounts of what he used in the 70s and it's like way off <laughs> yeah need to need to write editor so editor's love letter tour i started using simmons pads yeah exactly <laughs> no you didn't peter they yeah. didn't exist but i'll <laughs> i'll say this though that uh that website has some cool shots yeah that i had never seen um you know peter it was the 99 february issue uh issue of Modern Drummer Magazine, where Peter had the cover, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like the orange or pink background or whatever. And he says something in the article like he's never really tried double bass, and that was never his thing. There's photos of him at his house after leaving Kiss, where he's got this forest green laminated oh, yeah. double bass. Back when he had the beard. Fiberglass kit. Yeah, yeah. I remember those pictures. Yeah, he's and he's those. just jamming, and yeah. Yeah. He's oh. like, you. Mm. Well, he was he was nose deep in a pile of cocaine back in those yeah, days, yeah. and a and a copper tone model. So it's a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you know. <laughs> I think he had other things to worry about. Yeah, we were talking just before you got here. Aaron was watching the Kids Are People Two thing where they show where they bring Eric Carr out Eric. for the first time, and how pissed off it must have been that Gene must have been that. Like I think the first two questions from the kids in the audience is, "What happened to Peter Chris? Where's Peter yeah. Chris?" Mm-hmm. Probably did, it's probably bothered them a lot. Well, I'm sure that couldn't have been easy for them either because they fired him. Yeah. And they had to go out and say, oh, well, Peter left. And yeah, he's a member of the family. Because they were still business partners yeah. for years. Yeah, because that's what they said on the Kids Are People 2 thing. Like I said, I haven't seen it in years. I don't really remember any of it. But they were talking about how, you know, Peter's still a part of the family. You yeah. know, he's got a Capitol model wife. Yeah. He's, you know, he, we love him. And he told us to tell you hello, yeah, you know. And sure it's he like, did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, and, you know, I mean, the funny thing is he was still getting uh, a percentage of <laughs> what they were making mm-hmm. off the records even that he didn't even so. play on. Oh, yeah. Like he creatures made, and shit like yeah, that. He was getting money. paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> I think Peter got a quarter of the profits too. Because he owned part of the comedy. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. And Ace made money, I think, till well, Ace, till Ace through animalized. Still making money. I mean, he had a. They had to buy him out too. Oh yeah. But yeah. like they. Could but be, he kept his makeup, or yeah. at least half of it. That's why it's not on the cover of Kiss My Ass. Right. He yeah. wouldn't let him use it, so they used the Bandit. And that's why he's still able to use it for like Dunkin' Donuts but commercials and stuff. Still well, Dunkin' Donuts was two thousand when oh, that yeah, came so out. That was while he was still. That in was there. during the farewell tour while he was still in there. I got your TPS reports yeah. right here. That's awesome. That's probably that's the greatest the, commercial of all time. That's the that's like a big argument that goes online with Kiss fans is does he does he or doesn't he own the on the makeup design? Um, I read something where he no longer owns it. Um, now I'm sure. He has an outstanding contract with them, because Ace, Ace's people, always seem to have their stuff together more than Peter's. Uh, I think Peter is Peter's people. Yeah, Peter is Peter's wife. people, and and you know that is what it is. For the longest time, Ace's people were Peter's people, and of course they're going to look out for Ace because he's the one that brought them on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. Without getting into that and saying something that could get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> Why do you think we brought you over here? <laughs> we want dirt, Chris. Come we on. want dirt. No. 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 no dirt. No, we get enough out of other Kiss-related guests we've had on. Yeah. Did you get to listen to those, by the way? The, uh, I still haven't. I need to. Um, 
Phil Schaus and I were talking about that the I other know day. I Phil's listened to those. He's like, oh, dude, there's some great stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, a few jaw, there's a few jaw, jaw-dropping moments when, when we recorded those. Yeah. And also getting the email the next day going, did you guys fucking give me sodium pentothal or something? You can hear me forget that I'm being recorded. It's like, uh-oh. Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, it worked out okay. That's the sign that we're doing a good job. No, nah, but... Yeah. Uh, so, so back to Unplugged. So did you watch Unplugged when it premiered on Halloween night in 95? I doubt it was Halloween night. So you saw one of the replays, Because probably. I was probably trick-or-treating <laughs> like a boss. <laughs> Dressed as Peter? No. This, well, this, see, this I, was before Kiss. That so, was yeah. before it, uh, yeah. yeah. So I was out filling up a uh, pillowcase with candy somewhere, I'm sure. But I caught one of the repeats because I used to watch that show religiously. Me too, um, I mean, I remember watching the LL Cool J one when it mm-hmm. debuted, and the only thing I still really remember is that long-haired, shirtless guitarist just kind of jumping around, getting way too into the performance. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what is he doing? Uh, also, there? when when Page, when Page and Plant did it, their drummer was getting way too into it. Michael also. Lee. Oh, you well, know Michael Lee's a badass. <laughs> oh, he was good, but he was like way more into it than everyone else. Oh yeah. He had bigger drums than Bonhams too on that. Yeah, but uh, so all right, so Unplugged opens the door, and then but then you see him on the VMAs, and that's what kind of hooked you, right? That's what solidified it because I remembered seeing, um, I remember seeing photos as the reunion buzz mm-hmm. was getting around and announced, and um, I just remember because I. You know, I mentioned earlier I have an older brother. So I grew up in a house full of all different kinds of music. And my brother was really the one that, you know, had me hooked on MTV and watching Mm -hmm. the big arena videos with pyro and massive drum sets and people that looked like rock stars. Mm -hmm. Rock stars that actually look like rock stars. There's an idea. It was a fun time. That's a concept. (laughs) Um... And then one day all that stuff that I loved was no longer on TV. It was being replaced by grunge and Yo! MTV Raps and The Grind. Mm-hmm. The Grind. And uh, wow. what was his name? Dave something that hosted that show. The Grind? Was it? Yeah. I couldn't tell you. Or was... No, he was the sports guy. Dan Cortez, that was it. Oh, he was God. the sports guy. Yeah. I don't oh, know. Man. I don't remember if he MTV did The Grind or not. MTV Sports, but, yep. I remember yeah. that show too. But I remember it suddenly it was less and less of the stuff that I loved and more stuff that pertained nothing like had right. nothing to do with music. And um so fast forward I see this band Kiss and <coughs> the makeup and costumes and, and all their glory and the bombs going off. That was incredible. It was everything that I loved and missed, and then some, and little did I know that they were pretty much the band that really started that, like took that stuff that was there, Mm -hmm. like Alice Cooper, and took all these theatrical bands' ideas and magnified them Mm -hmm. into something way bigger. Yeah. And that was it. I was hooked. And the songs were catchy. Yeah. And that VMA performance is... I, to this day, I think that's I haven't I have yet to see any performance from the reunion era top it, mm-hmm. you know. And of course, we've all got Kissology, and we've seen the other songs. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
they were complete, and Peter especially was on fire for that performance. God, Probably because he knew it was a shortened set and he didn't have to pace himself. Yeah. So he's like, I can really go yeah, off. And he was like the old Peter Chris. Well, and especially that, you know, the only thing they broadcast was rock and roll on that. Yeah. They did what, five songs? And they fucking ran I the think? credits over the rest and they weren't, you couldn't hear them. You remember yeah. that? Yeah. I was, yeah. So, I was like, hey, he's just fucking doing New York Groove and I can't hear it. I was yeah. so mad. But yeah, I was so happy to finally see that footage. But they were, and then there's also a part in that where you can see uh, Gene call Ace an asshole. Where is that? I, I haven't seen that. That was Gene was kind of, and he did fine, but he was he was having throat trouble during that that era that period. Yeah, and you could tell that they I think they had worked it out to do like a Paul song, a Gene song, a Paul song, a Gene song. So Gene gets done. They get done doing rock and roll all night, I think, or Deuce. One, and then after after that they get done, and the cameras on Gene. And you hear Ace play the intro to Calling Dr. Love. And you can see Gene go, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go back and watch. Yeah, it's hilarious. We've all, we've all seen the farewell tour. What does the Ace Fraley band want to do next? Oh, yeah. That's classic. And it's it's, I love that. I love that so much because Me Ace too. just gives him this look. All right, motherfucker, yeah. I got your Ace Fraley band right here. This is what I want to do. It's what? It's like Rocket, Rocket Rider. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Gene has no idea. It's like, play. shit, yeah, that's what we want to do. And then he finishes the song and kind of looks at yeah, it. Yeah, like, top that motherfucker. And you can see Paul so nervous in the middle, like, oh, shit, I got to fix this. I got to salvage it. Okay. Really hey, guys, how about this? Yep. <laughs> right? It was just like Paul on Tom Snyder. He was mm-hmm. stuck in the middle of the two. Yeah. He's like, I have to be the businessman with Gene, but at the same time, Ace is a lot of fun. Yeah. That's so always a yeah. lot of added entertainment yeah. with being a Kiss fan is those moments when Gene gets angry at Ace, and it's yeah. always so comical and so yeah. funny. And also in that footage, the best part, though, is the times they flash the camera to Eric Singer, who's just dying laughing on the drum set. Yeah. He's having a ball. And, I mean... Because you know he's a he's a big Kiss fan. Oh, yeah. or was growing up, and so he knows all that stuff. Yeah, you know, and especially all the conventions era when he had to go learn so much of that shit and listen to all those records. Yep. It's like, good God, that guy's that guy knows a lot of stuff, not just drums, but like Q and A stuff. Yeah. Know? Oh, if you get him talking, he'll go. Eric's great. And apparently he knows he does a great Aaron Camaro impression. That's what I hear. I'd love to hear it. Like one, of our, one of our writers was out at a meet and greet at somewhere out west and ran into Eric Singer and he was wearing his Decibel Geek shirt. And I guess Eric went on into this full-on Aaron Camaro impression. That's awesome. So I was like, I'm we honored. have to get him on the show at some point because I want to hear this. If nothing myself. else, yeah, just to hear it. <laughs> That's fine. That's a trip, though, to go from being introduced to Kiss through Unplugged and then right away, you know, right after that, it's the full-on reunion. Mm-hmm. Are you able to, like, acclimate yourself to what KISS actually is, you know, from the difference between the Unplugged era band and what it's about to re-become? Well, nowadays, I just knew at the time there was this band called KISS that had really good songs, and they played great. That Unplugged album still... Right. Top three, top four favorite Kiss albums. That album and set list and performance were great. Yeah. yeah. That band was at its peak at Absolutely. that moment. And, you know, other people may bash me for this. Still, to this day, aside from the original four, my favorite lineup is that Revenge era. 
All due respect to Eric Carr, God bless him. Mm -hmm. He's what the band needed to carry them through that. When they got Eric Singer on drums, that was a great chemistry. The whole thing changed because you had the best of Peter Chris Mm -hmm. and the best of Eric Carr with this young guy that was hungry and was coming in not to be either of those guys. Because you can clearly tell that. One, with Eric Carr, they had gotten so far away from the drum parts that Peter did and kicked it up. But you can almost feel like when you watch the Detroit show, Mm. you know, from Confidential, that whole era, um, that it's almost like they sat Eric down and said, hey man, do your thing. Do your thing as a Kiss fan, but be a drummer and kick this thing in the ass. Here's free, here's carte blanche, you know, go do it. And and he really did. Yeah. You know, if you go back and watch Parasite, it's scary because still to this day he plays it almost the exact same. Mm-hmm. Is that Michigan Hills or the, the Palace? Yeah, the Palace of Auburn Hills, yep. Al- Auburn Hills, that was it. Yep. And uh, he's still, there's actually a video out there. Someone synced up with I saw that. the two cameras. Yeah, like today in 92. And it's like, he's... Still that's what kicks the shit out of that song. And that's where, like, I guess he gets a lot of flack from people because they're like, oh, they're telling him to play like Peter. And I did, but I don't know that they're, I don't think that they're telling him to play like Peter. I think that he, he, he plays more for the song now than he did back then. I think back then yeah. he was still in hot rod mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, on Parasite, he still does it his way, but they oh, also yeah. kind of, they kind of adopted the Anthrax way of playing it, really, compared to what they did in the 70s. Yeah. It. Peter played it way looser, but. And there's something good for both of those, but he gets a lot of flack from, I guess it's more of like originals only fans that are like, oh, he's just trying to be Peter. But no, I mean, they don't sound anything alike to me as drummers. No, and I mean, any original fans that are drummers, that are like drummer drummers that can tell the difference, he might play similar things, but he still does it his way. Mm. And the thing that I can say about being a fan of Eric's growing up um, and getting a little bit of time hanging out or chatting with him is he is the utmost professional. He goes into any gig as any hired gun should and you learn it like the record. But then if the band says, well, do your own thing or feel it out, then he does that. I mean, there's a reason he's played with the list of people that he has. Right. because he's as long a, as he has, too. He's a yeah. badass. Yeah. And usually what happens in those situations is you come in and somebody says, I'll play it like the record. And so you play it like the record, and then maybe they suggest a few changes. And eventually it kind of morphs into your own thing. you know. And I think that's what he's done. And like you said, the other thing, too, is you know, it's not a hot rod mode anymore i know i don't play drums like i did 10 15 years ago i just think he's evolved into a different type of drummer that's all i don't it's i don't i don't see him as the type of you know yes paul yes gene i'll do it just the way you i don't i don't think they have that arrangement it doesn't seem like they've ever had that arrangement no even because when they brought him on for revenge it seemed to me like they treated him pretty much equally i mean as a musician i thought they had a lot of respect for him as a musician yeah so i don't don't see them dictating how what style to play in on you know and it's to a guy like that no no and i i think you know like i said once you you get comfortable and you kind of know you i mean even with with my gig 
I've changed things in the song from how I started playing them with the band. Mm-hmm. And there were some other songs where we would sit down in rehearsal and they go, well, we never really liked that drum fill. Or we always thought there should be something bigger there. Or that fill's always been kind of too busy. And there were also things where they would say, hey, we don't really like that. And I go, yeah, but that lick is a signature drum part in that song. Mm -hmm. And you can look out. And sure enough, you will find the drummers every night air drumming yeah, these little things, part, yeah. you know, and you kind of point that out. And so it's so, kind of because you don't want them to point at you and be like, he's yeah, doing he it didn't wrong. do it. Yeah. So there, there are things, you know, there's something to be said about that too, where, you know, like I said, I went to bat for some of those fills and was like, man, just trust me, that needs to be there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure in Eric's case, it's a similar vibe, yeah. but Dude, when the hell has Peter Chris thrown in cymbal catches around the drums? <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, when the hell did did Peter do a fill? You know, it's like so he's not trying to be Peter. He's being Eric Singer. Yeah. You know, but he's playing Peter Chris drum songs. You know. Yeah. So you have to pay tribute to what came before you, but right. you got to honor it. I don't. I mean, they're not that type of band where they're like it. You need to do it just like this. No. Have fun with it. Uh, You know, and I'm that Kiss fan that while I love the original lineup, I'm also open-minded and totally understand why that isn't anymore and why it probably never will happen. I'm not holding my breath for I don't think it should happen. No, they had their thing. I was wearing a farewell shirt yesterday, actually. And, you know, it's... It really was. It was a farewell to that lineup. Yeah. And I, I'm just happy that there's a version of Kiss out there playing because right. for years, yeah, I was the super diehard guy, but like, dude, Tommy Thayer's put in, put in his time. Mm-hmm. He's worked probably just as hard as anybody, you know, that formed that thing because he's been working for Gene since right. 88 yeah, like or 89. 80s, yeah. He was Gene's bitch boy for years, and then now any of these documentaries that have come out since the early 90s, the concert footage, the albums, he's overseen most of that. The mm-hmm. artwork, the packaging, this, like, he's taken on that role. Right. So it's like, yeah, you know what? The guy's earned his spot, and yeah. he's a super sweet dude. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about him as a person. And... Dude, I shit you not, he came up to me... Um, we did Monsters of Rock together last April, and somehow, out of everybody that was thrown off the stage in the wings, they left me up there. You know, even security gave me shit when I was leaving there. How are you up here? Blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. I got the same pass, and I got artist credentials, and your guys didn't remove me, but I've got a shuttle to catch. Have a good night. <laughs> but... Paul was out there, um, he was about to intro Love Gun, and so there's a good break there, and Tommy walks around the back of Eric's kit, and, you know, they're kind of razzing each other for a second, and then Tommy walks past me and stops and comes back and walks right up to me just before the song starts and starts talking to me. He goes, hey man, I'm Tommy. I go, hey, I'm Christopher, I play drums with Accept. Big fan, great to see you guys. He's like, awesome, how was the show? We 
We talked maybe 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> but in the middle of a kiss show, the guy stops <laughs> and comes over to introduce himself and then goes, Oh shit. I gotta, hey, play dude, the song I gotta go. That's my cue. <laughs> I'm like, dude, anybody that bashes on Tommy Thayer, you know, it's like, come on, grow up. The guy's earned his stripes. Yeah. He's done more work behind the scenes than any of us, I'm sure, will ever know. True. Well, Kudos he, to that guy for landing the dream gig. Well, that's what I was right. He's, he's yeah. got the gig that just about any Kiss fan would have would have taken. That, that guy deserves it. Well, that and he, you know, like you said, with the history and the videos, and he's kind of been the conduit to bring a whole lot of stuff to the fans over the past right. twenty years. I mean, so that's it. And if anybody I mean, hates it, I mean, dude, you, maybe you can't have a spring without. But, he at least you know that the guy in the spaceman makeup he cares exactly and he, he cares about it, it means he something totally to him. And, so that's, and Ace you know, has come out saying how nice Tommy is you know mm-hmm. aside from when he punched, punched him back him. <laughs> there. but, but all right that. so anyone that <laughs> wants to bash on line, anyone that right. wants to bash on Tommy Thayer we'll we'll put this out there <laughs> so there never would have been an MTV Unplugged oh. without a Tommy Thayer yeah. because that came from the conventions, yeah. Yeah. which he and Gene set up, but Gene basically put him in charge of all the little details. Yeah. Find the missing costume pieces. Put the things back together. Let's come up with these set lists. Tommy, you're a fan. What would be cool for yeah. the fans to yeah. see? Gene took care of logistics with the help of Tommy. Right. All that stuff. Tommy was... I think the tour assistant or something like that on the reunion yeah. era. Like, dude, the reunion would not have happened without Unplugged, which would not have happened without the convention tour. So, you know, think about that. Yeah. You know, not, well, to, just, not to toot his horn, but no, the but guy I mean, doesn't deserve the, the flack he's getting. Not, not that not. he gives a shit. He but, doesn't. But I, I, and I don't, I don't begrudge someone who has an issue with it. If they do, that's fine. I guess... I don't know what the what incess getting incessantly upset. Nice over Tommy Thayer bust, by the way. <laughs> oh, wow. You know he probably helped put that together. I'm probably. sure he did. <laughs> so, oh man, this one looks too much like Ace Tommy and Spiro. Right. <laughs> those those were the guys, man. But no, it's I don't know. I, the guys put in a lot of work on in the band, and you know if it's a if it's that big a deal to you, then you know find another band to listen exactly. to. Exactly, move on. Do you? Know? But do you? In think? Paul's words, move on. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what they told him. But uh, do you think though, if you could go back in time, say when the farewell happens mm-hmm. and Eric and Tommy are brought on board, would you have been more in favor of new characters, or do you think they did the right thing by sticking with those characters? Um, it's not bashing Tommy or Eric. It's just, would you have done it differently the, than they did? The Kiss fan in me says, yes, I would have had new characters. Mm-hmm. The businessman in me understands 100% mm-hmm. why they did it the way they did. Yeah. Because at this point, they don't have to be, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. You right. know, there's these iconic images yeah. And business-wise, they own the makeup, so they can do whatever they wanted with it, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks. But at the same time, I don't want to go to a concert and see, you know, the mad scientist and the fucking NASA guy, you know, or the human watch, or I don't know what the characters would be, you the know. Hawking, I don't. Wolf I, yeah, something. I don't want to see Eric Carr's big bird suit. On Eric I don't know. Singer. I think it would have been cool to see new new characters. Not yeah, a big bird too. suit necessarily. 
I'm just saying, if they I could have come up with something cool for something him, something cool, yeah, because like the fox was cool, and even the Egyptian I would have liked to have seen thing was yeah. pretty cool. I just thought yeah. it would be cool to try. But I see business wise, it's a lot easier. You can seamlessly move these guys in and do it. Yeah, right. But or, I thought, or at least do like completely, completely different costumes. That's what, yeah, that's what I mean. Comple- like the makeup, all right, whatever. But do some like dude. How many times has the alive costume been redone? Oh. And yeah, and all due respect, you notice every year Gene's armor gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> he's actually <laughs> taken pretty good care of himself the last couple of years. He has. Yeah, he seems like he's gotten in shape. He's moving around a good bit too. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I think I don't know. I guess the monster outfits aren't bad. They're okay. No. Well, and they do change him up. Eric will change yeah. his vest up from time to yeah. time and things. I'm still waiting for those dynasty costumes to come back. Good luck. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, that's the thing about that, too, with watching that Kids Are People 2 where they introduce Eric Carr for the first time. It makes me think, I wonder if that came part of the equation back then where they maybe considered putting Eric Carr in the Catman makeup. It had to have. I'm sure that it probably crossed their mind. Instead yeah. of making like a big deal like, here's our new member... He's the fox, mm-hmm. and he's replacing Peter Chris. If they just slid <coughs> Eric Carr into that spot, if put makeup, if uh, the Catman makeup if Beth on, hadn't have happened, yeah, they'd have sued they, the sh- they, Peter would have sued the shit out of them. But did he own the makeup? <laughs> I mean, did yeah. he? He did back then. Yeah, I don't know if Bill Coin owned all that stuff. At the but then at that point, it would have to become uh, a thing, it. an agreement. If you because leave Peter the band, up with you the leave the character. Yeah. I mean, now he's he's fully. I think he sold the rights to his makeup in like the early '90s or something. He could use half of it. That's why he had that big bag of cash, (laughs) right? In the the book that he talks about. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what. That's where that money came from. Mm. Yeah. It's strange, but so I guess when you got into him though from VMAs, then you just did you just start going and buying everything up that you could find? Yeah. What was the Uh, next thing you heard after that? Well, we didn't. We didn't have a lot of money at the time, but um, the very first piece of KISS memorabilia I ever got, and I still have it wrapped up, is the uh, I went to Spencer Gifts at the mall across the street, and uh, they had that the poster of them in front of the fire from the Levine Sessions. Yeah. It just said the second coming. I remember yeah. that. At the bottom. Yep. That was my very first piece of KISS memorabilia. And even though it's tattered and torn, uh, it's still wrapped up in a tube. Yeah. I still have it. And then the second piece I got, that same mall, there was a little Asian store where they sold like the the fake swords. Yeah. The you know the the little uh, the ringy balls or yeah. tension balls yeah. or whatever you spend. They had all the Asian stuff, and they had a bunch of tie dye tapestries, and one of them was the uh, Dynasty album cover. Okay. But I think by that point, I had my first Kiss CD, which was Dressed to Kill. Right. Good place my, to start. My uncle Peter got me that um, after he found out I was like super Kiss nerd. Yeah. Because it had rock and roll all night on it. That, yeah. yeah, okay. And uh, still to this day, that album is killer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he sent me that. There was a pair of, I think they were even Promark drumsticks. And then there was a pair of Eric Singer's signature sticks with the red foil and the KISS logo, which I don't remember how he got those, if because I don't think they sold them with the KISS logo at the time. Um, what year are we talking? 
This is 90... 97. Okay, so it's when Reunion was full swing. Yeah, Eric was out of the band. <coughs> but I remember years... Or I say Carnival of Soul. <clears throat> years prior, my uncle had a roommate that had worked for Kiss, uh, and Michael Jackson and several other artists. I think he was a lighting designer. He's right. a lighting guy or a sound guy. And uh, so, like, I have the Gene Simmons Crazy Nights t-shirt... Mm. You know, that says it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. It has yeah, the girls yeah. on the front. Right on. That came from, as a gift from Chris. Oh, okay. So that may be how he had the sticks, because I think those were like Revenge-era sticks. Yeah. The funny thing, when I got the kit uh, a few years ago, one of the things that was included was one of those drumsticks. Oh, yeah. You know, as a kid, I was stupid. I played with them and broke them. <laughs> and, like, the finish started wearing off, so I, I took a red Sharpie and colored it back in. And then some kid goes, oh, those aren't real. You just made them up. But, oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool that now, years later, I finally have one of those sticks again that was it was used. It's beaten to hell. Yeah. You know, he played it, but I was like, that's cool. It's that cool to have that yeah. Well, okay, well, we both are well aware of the story, but the, what about what people may not know is you own Peter's Reunion Tour kit, and but was it before that you built the Mock Destroyer kit? Yeah, it was before that. So we do the we do that Kissmas show every year. For those of you who are unaware, um, some friends and I, we all have touring gigs and work in the in the industry, but once a year we put on a charity event called Merry Kissmas. Sometimes, I think it's billed as Merry Effin' Kissmas. Yes. Yeah. Like, not fucking, but Effin', E-F-F-I-N. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, so every year we do a two to three hour kiss show with, you know, some shticks and things in there that it's, musically, it's as accurate as you can get to the records it's and the original performances. Definitely. But it's a different take on the show, there's there's some tongue in cheek and some humor in it because, you know, we're not a touring Kiss tribute band. You know, we're we're paying homage 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 to the music, um, but we're also having fun with it. You know, without... I did love last year's levitating drum riser though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm still working on getting the real rig underneath it. It was clever though how you did that. Yeah. So, but yeah, so we've, we've done that, I think five or six years now, and we're actually doing one this month in July. This will be yeah. the, the first time we've done two in a year. So everybody's celebrating Christmas in July. That's it. Yep. And, but this one's going to be different than the usual Christmas show. There's, we're putting a different take and a different spin on it. And, um, I think I can say have, yeah. You, we've the flyers, the which, flyers already out there with the, the flat with the, what we're the doing. Two albums. Okay, yeah. So we're doing the Hotter Than Hell album, top to bottom, and then we're doing the Destroyer album, top to bottom. Right on. With all the sound effects. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> with the sound backup, effects. Backup vocalists. Really. Like, to the fucking T. Oh, I can't wait for that. of the record. So that's going to be a lot be of fun. Directing. He lives here. Yeah. His grown yeah. kids are going to come out and recreate God. He'll be like, finally, you're not doing the Elder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll show up now that you're not playing Elder songs. Well, <laughs> Phil's ex, Raquel, years ago, uh, she and Ezrin, I think, worked out, or Ezrin was one of her clients or something like that. Wow. And um, 
the first year we did Kismas, she mentioned, she's like, yeah. And he goes, oh, tell me they're not doing any Elder. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, they're doing like two songs. And he goes, no, they can't. They can't play that. <laughs> so he knows, you know, and we, we make it a thing at the big December show that yeah. we always try and get a cut from the Elder in there. Yeah. You know, but we'll do the deep, we'll do deep cuts and all kinds of stuff. But so anyway, I digress. Um, I think it was the was it the third year we did the show. I think it was the third year we did the the Kissmas show. I built a full on fifteen piece replica of the Destroyer kit. The fiberglass pearl drum shells, the same. 3D white honeycomb bubble finish, whatever the manufacturers want to call it. Um, same sizes, same heads, original concert clip, Tom stands. Like, went as far as sitting down with the, the Budokan 77 show with the drum solo and some headphones and tune the drums to the same pitches. <laughs> you're, awesome. You're insane. Uh, Your insanity I, kicks ass. I made, cool, <laughs> I made the logo head on the front, you know, the mirror chrome yeah. head with the logo. I sat down with three different shades of glitter and blended them until it was perfect and then applied it. Wow. wow. See, they Hand say OCD the is outline. bad. So... And then I made the long sleeve version of the Destroyer costume because, yeah. of course, you have to have the costume that matches the drums. Of course. Yeah. If you're really a Kiss fan. Duh. Um, did you have the gong? I did. Cool. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so that was that was it for me. I was like, all right, cool. We got the smoking guitar. We've got the sign. We've got the wall of amps. I built the drums. I've got the costume that matches it. I am done making stuff for Christmas. Mm -hmm. I am done. Fast forward three months later, <laughs> I'm on tour, and we have like four or five days off in Vegas. And I had never been to the mini golf out there since it had opened. So go through there, and uh, the bass player and I are ooing and eyeing over everything. And I look over into this little kind of meeting room that's roped off, and sure as shit... The, the B-Rig from the Reunion Tour was stacked up in the corner. That's the one they sold off at the Butterfields auction. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who don't know, um, on Peter Chris's website, again, just to state what he knows about his gear, he says that he's got photos of the kit, the A-Rig. He says, this is the only Reunion Tour kit, blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. Um... Even coming from Ed Cannon, his tech, he confirmed that Tommy Winkler, the guy that had built Peter's Pearl kits here in Nashville back in the 70s, built two identical kits for the reunion tour, and they had two stage rigs. Because the schedule was so intense, while they're touring in the States, the other stage is already being shipped off to Japan or Australia right. or somewhere because then it's got to go through about a month or so of sitting in customs and being inspected. So in order for them to accomplish that tight of a schedule without taking a month or two months off in between, that's what you do. Right. So while they're in Europe, the kit from the States is being shipped off to, you know, some other continent or country. And um, 
So when they finished that tour, Peter took the A-Rig home or stored it wherever in his own possession. And the B-Rig just sat in Kiss's warehouse. Um, when they were on tour for Psycho Circus and they filmed the concert scene for Detroit Rock City, yep. they just grabbed that kit out of the Kiss warehouse and took it up to Canada where they filmed the scene. Oh, so this is the one using the movie? Yeah. Oh, oh right. I know that. Um, and the way that you can tell the difference in the two kits is Peter had been a, a DW, a drum workshop in Dorsey since the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and Gene insisted they use all the gear that they had from the 70s. Right. So he had Pearl build them the two kits. Now, if you notice, none of those photos is there a Pearl logo on the bass drum. Yeah, it's just the Kiss logo. Just the Kiss logo. And so the A kit, it has Pearl badges on the shells, but on the front two rack toms that the audience sees, they took the mount off and moved it to the other side. Mm -hmm. So the badges face Peter. So the audience doesn't see any Pearl logo on the kit. And they even went as far as... Uh, modifying the tom brackets and replacing all the stands with dw hardware really so you can look there's a period of about a month or so in the tour where they had the pearl hardware on the kit and then suddenly it just changes um wow. so yeah and that's why the dw kit was there for psycho circus i remember when the, all the pre-press for the tour for that psycho circus tour and he was on and on about how happy he was to do to have DW drums again. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm not a drummer, so I don't I don't know what the difference is. I mean, is it that much of a difference? They're amazing. DW, now that yeah. that Pearl kit, I'll say this: it sounds huge. Yeah. You know, Peter wasn't hitting them that hard as we know, but right. when you lay into those things, they cut. They're big drums. Right. Um. Yeah. So anyway, so you can tell the difference between the two kits. Because the B-Rig, which is the one they auctioned off at Butterfields in 2000, would have both of the front Tom badges facing the crowd. And at one point, even the 12-inch Tom, the badge was moved under the mount, but the 13 was still facing the crowd. Mm -hmm. So I've gone back and found bootlegs like Toledo, Ohio. Peter's playing that kit. Yeah. Uh, I think that the New Year's show... Uh, at the Meadowlands is even that kit. Um, if I'm not mistaken, judging by the touring, that kit was the one at Budokan and all that. So I've gone back through looking at all this old footage and stuff, and it's like, oh shit, there's the badge, you know? And I'm like, oh my god, that's that's it. That's my kit that's at that show. One. And Wow. But that's how you can tell the difference Okay. in the two kits. Um, again, if you're a super nerd, if you even care to look, that's how you can tell. So I have the one that has the pearl badges facing the... Although if I owned it, I'd want to see what shows sure. I could find with it, too. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's oh, what yeah. I say. Who knows this kind of stuff? Christopher Williams knows that's, this kind of stuff. I that's think you, me. Had, you had told me you, you're pretty sure that it was the one used here, like the night after Columbus. Uh, it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was the kit in Columbus. I'd have to go look back at the footage but i'm pretty sure it was i know because that was the second cities leg yes. right yeah that kit was on the second cities tour yeah because it was crazy. in toledo but yeah and last year at the uh 
Mary effing Christmas rehearsal, I got to touch the drums that I saw on the reunion tour. Yeah. So, I was I was in awe just seeing those things. Yeah. I'm sure you still are at times when you look at it. Oh, dude, they came with the drum heads, the original heads. Oh wow. I I of course swapped them. Yeah. I did the first the first year I used that kit at the Kissmas show. I used those heads. Oh really? And then I took them off and and I've got them locked away in a box safe but uh that's awesome i took when i got the drums um i was able to buy the kit um but yeah when i when i got them home within like two days i was dismantling the kit polish because i do drum restoration as well Mm -hmm. and just buffing every little part and cleaning things up I found original pieces of confetti in between <laughs> oh, the drum wow. shell and the edge yeah. of the drum head where it had nestled down in there. And That's cool. So like any KISS fan, I have a small little baggie of that confetti because <laughs> I'm a dork. Yeah, you're as, you're as but, nutty about this shit as we are. I mean, that one was... <laughs> more so. More so. <laughs> that, that restoration for... Because it was 11 drums, there was no snare included because it was a DW snare. Yeah. And Peter kept that. Um that kit took I think 44 hours of work of polishing and buffing everything by hand, no machines, all just sitting there doing one drum at a time, you know, on the floor in the living room wow. or in my bedroom watching TV or something when I had spare time. Watching Kiss bootlegs, I'm sure. Probably, yeah. Being a dork, well, you have to get into the whole atmosphere that's it. of it, right? Oh my God, that's Peter Chris's funk and pyro dust. And <laughs> get that shit off of there. <laughs> but sure. So I, I still keep in touch with the woman that bought them at the Butterfields auction, yeah. as well as um, Christina, who she and her husband Patrick own the kiss mini golf in vegas and they work for gene doing the base meet and greets and yeah all that she just too. she just wrote a book about gene yeah yeah i've That's seen just... some excerpts from it. it's pretty funny and uh so do you know so the story it, about how she got it at the at yeah. the auction yeah so apparently which that was that was another fate thing um you know she apparently she had been bidding on stuff and she got a few smaller items one of which was the stool the canister seat which is a tube mm-hmm. with a, a standard like leather drum seat top on it and they used to use those to store hardware but yeah. in kiss's case peter just liked that vintage look because of his whole thing with gene krupa right and that's the stool that he would sit on for beth right is that white tube mm-hmm. oh, yeah. so she got that at the auction and um which she sold to monster mini golf mm-hmm. so they now own that oh, okay I haven't seen the new location, but I know the old location that was displayed behind the bar mm-hmm. where you like paid to go play golf or whatever. But so she got that and a few smaller items. Um, but she's bidding against these rock stars that are all there at the auction oh, house. And there's the eBay feed and people phoning in. So all these big items she wanted, she keeps getting outbid on. Yeah. And, it was in the middle of the summer, and I guess they got hit with a heat wave that took out all the communication lines. 
And because, so there's no more eBay, there's no more phone ins, there's no live website stuff at all. So the competition just got cut out. Competition is now <laughs> only to those people in that room. Oh. And so she said she's looking around and it's like Manson and. Or guys like that yeah. in the room at John 5. I was like, oh, John 5 had to have been there. And said that they're all bidding and bidding and the price on the kit's going up. And finally, like, they, they all kind of look at her and she's standing up with the look of almost desperation. Like, you know, come on. And I guess they decided to let that go to her. That's nice. And so <laughs> she got that kit. And um, the only reason she was letting it go was there were some family medical bills where she was going to have to leave work yeah. and fly across the country to be with her family to help them in that time. And that's the only reason she was letting that go. Yeah. And it was just by faith that I was there that week because she was going to put them on eBay. Mm. Um, because this is like three weeks before the hall of fame induction, I think. Good time uh, to sell. Yeah. yeah. So I got there and, and we made an agreement. She goes, you know, if you can raise this much for a down payment by this date, you know, I'll take that as a good sign of faith and we'll work together and, and we'll get these drums to you. And um, so that happened like three days before the Hall of Fame. I was wow. able to send in that transaction and go, there's, there's a security deposit, you know. Yeah. Are we good? But what happened was that day at mini golf when I first saw him, I step over the little roped off, you know, thing mm -hmm. and go in and I'm in awe and I'm taking photos of every little detail because mm. I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can build this kit yeah. down the road somewhere. Oh, okay. And an employee comes in and, sir, you can't be in here. This is private. I'm sorry, sorry, but this is what this drum set means to me. And yeah. Peter played, you know, the night I was a Kiss fan, the night I became a fan and all that. Mm -hmm. And um, she goes, oh, well, they're for sale. What? <laughs> uh, okay. You know, so sure enough, she, she gets her boss, Christina, and she comes out and we're talking. And, you know, she's kind of, I'm sure she's gotten a lot of the people that are like, oh, I want to buy it. And if, and fly out. Yeah, 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 I'm sure she had heard that yeah. several times. So it was kind of that vibe. And she goes, well, I'll tell you what, in two days, we're having our big anniversary party here. You know, come by. And if you're serious about it, I'll ask the owner to come down and meet you. Mm -hmm. And the two of you can take it from there. And she did. And we sat by that drum set for probably two or two and a half hours talking anything from life and love to kiss and what got us into it and business and i knew more about the drum set way more about it than she did mm -hmm. you know she just wanted a piece of history right right or yeah. history <laughs> that phrase is copyright gene simmons yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, i gotta pay him now thanks yeah you're welcome <laughs> there you go gene um so anyway so at the end of it there was just this this vibe of, you know, the two of us agreeing, like, you need this drum kit. Like, this is supposed to be yours. And, and so a lot of friends and family, I was on tour. And at the time, I had no access to my gear because I was like, great. 
I'll sell off a bunch of snare drums and this and that and the other, and I'll get the drums. Right. But I still had three or four weeks left on this tour. There was no way I was going to... So a bunch of friends and family kicked in to help me meet that. That's great. You know, and then from there on, I, I paid off, you know, and took it over. And and uh, it always helps to have good people in your corner, Absolutely. for sure. Yeah. I can't thank everybody enough, um, you know, and was able to finish the rest of the payments yeah. on it. And Very cool. It's like I've got the drum kit that made me a KISS fan. How nutty is that? That's really awesome. Yeah. Really, really Now, have awesome. you gotten to meet Peter yet? I haven't. That's the weirdest thing. Um, I've met Gene. I've met Bruce. Um, I hung out with Paul and Eric in Karabi's dressing room in Germany last year. Yeah. That was a fucking trip. <laughs> you know, because I, I walk into Krabby's room after our show, and I got my back kind of turned to everybody and doing something... I hear this familiar voice, and I turn around, and I'm like, oh, shit, it's Eric Singer. Right on. You know, because he and John have the connection. Yeah. Right. And go back to what I'm doing, and then I hear another voice, and I look over my right shoulder, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's Paul Stanley. Oh, my God. You know? In or out of makeup? Out of makeup. Out of makeup, okay. And we're... The door to the dressing room is inches away from the Superman curtain. <laughs> oh, right on. You know, so I got to hang with them, and, you know, that was cool. Yeah. You know, and uh, it was just a trip. What do you talk about with Paul Stanley? Humble Pie. Uh, that's Steve a good Marriott. Yeah. We were just talking about that last week. I kind of... He loves Steve Marriott. I, I sat down on the couch and um, was just kind of a fly on the wall <laughs> for a few minutes, and John introduced me, and... You know, just kind of listened in, and at one point, jumped in on whatever the conversation was about, and mm-hmm. I was wearing my Steve Marriott t-shirt, which is uh, it's from like halfway the chest up of Steve from the cover of the uh, King Biscuit album cover, uh-huh. which is my favorite rock album probably ever. Do yourself a favor if you don't know. Uh, Humble Pie, Live at Winterland, 1973. Better than Rockin' the Fillmore? Better. Really? Way better. All due respect, Frampton, this was when they had Clem Clemson and mm-hmm. they had the Blackberries. Yeah. This was the band at its peak and they fucking crushed it. That entire album, I can just put on repeat and it never gets old. Wow. Steve nice. was singing his ass off. He had started playing leads again. Yeah. So suddenly you have these dueling leads and these harmon like these harmonized parts and Yeah. It's just nonstop barrage of awesome. And um so yeah, this T shirt was Steve Marriott from that album cover. Mm-hmm. And Paul gets up to leave, he's like, Yeah, I gotta go do the makeup thing. <laughs> the makeup thing. <laughs> the makeup how thing. how funny is that? He goes, yeah, I got to go do the makeup thing. And he sees my shirt. And he goes, oh, yeah, awesome shirt. I love Steve. And, of course, you know, that lasted 15 minutes nice. of us talking about that. And, you know, talked just for a little bit. You know, I didn't go all fanboy because yeah. that's not what you do. With, right. You know, How come you guys don't play I'm a Legend tonight? What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck, dude? 
yeah. come on, man, bust it out tonight for me. For me, I mean, it, you understand when you're in the business, it's just not what you do. Yeah, as sure. much as you want to, you got to restrain yourself a little. At least. Yeah, you don't want to be a <laughs> fan. You yeah. you want to be a peer and a and a buddy. So just very briefly, you know, thanked him for mm-hmm. all the years, and I showed him my rock and roll over tattoo, and we talked about the drums for maybe 10 seconds yeah it's like oh yeah i i have peter's reunion kit that you guys auction and he goes oh which one is that i go oh, it's the the black and chrome striped one and he goes oh my favorite one was the uh the one with all the mirrors all over it which one was that and i go oh that was the alive kit that was the second oh yeah yeah you know that was the second pearl kit he got mm-hmm. you know and just like shit that's cool <laughs> you know but yeah, so that was, and that was like the extent of my kiss nerddom with him. Right. He didn't want to hear, and he was genuinely appreciative. Yeah. You know? And I was like, dude, I just have to say, musician to musician, you know, thank you for all the years and thank you for the inspiration. Right. On. I took a lot of shit as a kid for being a kiss fan, but me too. The yeah. interviews with you and and video clips where you're just constantly. You know, telling people, go for your dreams. Go yeah. get it. Don't let anything stop you. It's so like, that had a huge impact on me. And I really appreciate it. That's you know? very cool. I, di- I didn't have a ton of, of, like, real empowered self-esteem when I was a kid. So yeah. that's what got me through a lot of that stuff. Right. You know, just just being able to say thank you to him right. was cool. Well, yeah, and the, the era that you came that's up with, I was fan is even more really out of place than than, oh, yeah. than I me and him did. You know, of course I came up during crazy nights, you know, which is not a very popular time to be a fan. Yeah. But but even at your age, with your age group, I mean you probably were probably pretty limited on people your age that were into that. Very. I got shit all the time from, you know, the preppier kids and like the hip hop kids, all the different little clicks. Like a lot of, why school. are you listening to those old clowns and shit? Like no, that? it was all Kiss is gay. You yeah. like dudes in makeup. Yeah, I got what's all your that. What's your problem, pretty boy? Or what? You know, it's yeah. like, dude, really, it's music, man. It's a show. Grow up. It's cool. Right. You know, I don't see your guy on stage blowing shit up or breathing fire. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He doesn't have the balls to do that. Your you guy's know? getting arrested for beating his girlfriend up. <laughs> exactly. Or like, oh yeah, you know, your favorite band that blows shit up and has 30 foot tall flames? Guess where it came from, pal? These guys. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you take on that, that gene mentality. Oh, I remember having to go through it myself. I'm like, yeah, you know, junior high was not a fun period of time as far as having to defend those guys, especially when they're putting out let's put the X and sex around that time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God, I I don't, it's really kind of hard to defend that one. That was Paul Stanley's Billy Squire video. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it that way, but you're right. Yeah. It ain't quite that bad. Let's, get no. a, <laughs> let's also get a bunch of women that are not attractive and put them in the video also. Well, there was the one <laughs> with the, the gold glasses and the like pink lipstick. She was pretty she hot. She was cute, yeah. The other one's not so much. The main one they had in the front, wow, she looked like she was about to fall over dead. Is that the big, tall, not anorexic like really one? really anorexic. It's like, yeah. what the fuck is going Super on? Super skinny. With, yeah. yeah. You know, Gene uh, was kind of like, none of these are my type. No. no. <laughs> eat a, <laughs> eat a cheeseburger, baby. <laughs> you can see the M&M she had for lunch. Yeah. Through her stomach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
So what favorite Kiss record? What's your favorite Kiss record for this one? Uh, what era? Any era. Um, favorite artwork, hands down, is Rock and Roll Over, obviously. Yeah, it's iconic. Um, favorite record of the original lineup is a toss-up between Dress to Kill and Rock and Roll Over. Hmm. Um, most of the time I lean toward Rock and Roll Over because... I, there's just so many good songs. The drum sounds are huge. Um, yeah, that was one of my destinations was to go to the theater where they recorded that. Manuet Star Theater. Yeah, which nice. it was like <laughs> two hours by train or something yeah, it's like way that. Out there, isn't it? But here's the thing: now it's been turn, turned into one of those fucking mega churches, which that is too, huh? beautiful. It's great. Like they, did you go? No. Oh, you didn't. I didn't, I didn't have time to. Oh. I was too busy going to M&M's world and getting two bags of brown M&M's <laughs> just because I could. Yeah? You know, okay. I found Dave's stash. Okay. <laughs> <The> leftovers. <laughs> you wonder where they all went. They have a 10-foot tall tube of brown M&M's in every color you could imagine, so <laughs> I bought a bunch of those instead. Well, they turned the forum into a church, too. Didn't they? The LA Forum, or there was it San Diego Sports? These are all no, San Diego because the forums. No, the still forum there. they reopened or yeah. they remodeled, but no, so San Diego Sports too. Arena where they shot the the the, the gatefold the, for a lot of two. Yeah, is is now a mega church. Wow, there are at least churches too. I love right? the irony in that too. Do you know the stories about them recording rock and roll over at that theater? Like it used to be, like I think Sinatra was one of the owners of the theater, hmm. and it was kind of like a. A mafia attack shelter, I think, more than anything. I'm sure it was. But like, Eddie Kramer was in there, and he's telling a story like they showed up with a fucking gun when they were he's shooting lights out in the middle of the theater. That does. Before they even start recording, so, oh great, this is gonna be fun to record here. And they recorded Peter's drums in a bathroom. Yeah, like down a hallway. Like yeah, yeah, they they really got they tried to they wanted to make a live as a studio album essentially. Yeah. Is what they were trying yeah. to pull off. Well, I love that was, album too, though. What I, was what was the thing? Because it always confused me, and I get my timeline mixed up. That interview with Peter and Modern Drummer 99, he says something about working with Ezra and on Destroyer. Again, that's my notification. Yeah. It's Paul Stanley. Yeah! Special guest on this episode. You should hear my email alert. What is it? It's Paul doing one of these... <laughs> it goes on forever. It's great. Um, but, um, yeah, I'll play it for you in a minute. Peter but, interview what do you say yeah so his interview he's talking about Ezrin and he's like oh yeah when we recorded the drums in an elevator shaft and had to run a mic down it and uh, which I don't know how true that was he also talks about doing them in a bathroom which all of that could be true but I don't remember whether it's Destroyer or Rock and Roll Over it's whether Peter knows but one of the things Peter mentioned he's like yeah I'm doing this I think he said it was God of Thunder. He did the boom, God, doom, doom, dagadat, the main groove mm-hmm. in the elevator. Mm-hmm. Late at night, and the doors open, and it's this janitor just looking at this guy playing drums in the elevator. It's like, what the hell? And then the doors just close. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Like, how does that work? You've been on that night, honey. You're not gonna believe what I saw. Get it. <laughs> It's, it's Peter, so there's no telling how much of that's true, but, you know, I'd like to think that's, that's a true story. And I, mean, I, I think he was dressed like a cat. You know? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Look at you. You're a little kitty cat. Did you ever see that uh, 
rehearsal footage from the Destroyer tour. It's black and white, but they're yeah. rehearsing for it. Yeah. That's pretty interesting to watch. I've found uh, photo colors of that, uh, the color photos of that recently too, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I've got some on my. Did you know they were. um, They actually bought the Frankenstein, like, laser machine. The machine. From the movie. Oh, wow. That would shoot the lasers back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see it a little bit in that rehearsal footage. They test it out. It never worked properly. Well, it made too much noise. Like, it's like they're playing God of Thunder and it's like hearing all this shit going on and they finish playing and everybody kind of looks back at it and you hear Ace go, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. (laughs) And, uh,. You can see, it's that the first show of the tour is that New Jersey show. <laughs> yeah, the Roosevelt Stadium. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you can see it in the background there. Oh, is it on and that? In some of the photos, but I don't think they it only got worked. through a couple of the shows with it. Yeah. And I think it weighed like a thousand pounds or something ridiculous. Well, no, I mean they scaled that. I'm sure you've seen that website where the people like chronicled the Destroyer stage and all the changes yeah. it went through. That was ridiculous you know they had the tree that was supposed to spin but yep. it never really spun so it just sat there and the blood tower uh-huh and then but then they like outfitted the stage with all this cool stuff like craters and stuff but like yeah. was that just for the band's benefit well that was see it if you're in the audience that was a stage map which some people will still do um if you're up in the balcony seats you can totally see it oh okay but yeah it was designed to where it was stitched together where, you know, Ace, like, had his planets, yeah. and there was, like, the moon craters, and Gene had his kind of castle side. That's and they had cool. the crystals. They even had a front section of the stage that was an add-on that sloped down a little bit. Yeah. And none of that stuff lasted long. Mm, they scaled it down pretty fast. Uh, the faces of the amps were supposed to blow Yeah, they had the rock crumble. Which... They, got, they did a few shows with that. Yeah, I don't think that lasted long, but the Paul Lynn... Or not... Yeah, it was the Paul Lynn special. They had the faces of the amps mm-hmm. blow off the dummies. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So I got, I got to ask, you know, you're now playing with a band that opened for Kiss back in the day. Mm-hmm. How how many times have you pestered them for stories about that experience? Uh, I usually don't because they said um, that they really, I think it was the first night of the tour. Was they it said, Lick It like, Up tour? Lick It Up, yeah. yeah. They said that, uh, you know, I, don't, I think it was Paul or Gene, may have been both, kind of stuck their head in the dressing room and said, hey guys, thanks for coming on the tour, we're glad to have you, do you have everything you need? Mm-hmm. And that was it. That's all they spoke And the about. other thing was, under any circumstances, were you allowed, uh, under no circumstances whatsoever, were they allowed to step out onto the tank treads? Oh jeez. That was reserved for Kiss. Wow. So they couldn't step out onto the tank. It was so like just like a little matchbook size stage that they could work with. Yeah. They basically they were stuck in front of Eric's riser and in between the treads. Like no room at all there. No. Ah, so. so it wasn't a super happy experience for them, I guess. Yeah. Good opportunity. Those playing yeah. the shows were probably awesome, but just, you know Yeah. You hope they be a little friendly. Not a lot of interaction no. with the guys. No. And I I know um, Peter has told me that he hung out with Eric Carr a handful of times and said he was a really sweet guy. It was a lot yeah. of fun and really funny. Um, but they never really saw Gene and Paul. No Vinny stories? Vinny Vincent no. owes me 50 bucks. Not that they mentioned to me. 
Um, then he sold me guitars. That was the one he liked the best. I've gotten some of of their opinions on the band, but we won't say that. <laughs> we have to get them out here ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Here's that. We're entitled to their opinions. That's how I know I got an email. <laughs> and what better way to find out? Uh, let's see. My my. Uh, when I get a voicemail. Yeah. People, can you hear me? <laughs> and then uh, what else? Oh yeah, the text tone, which you've heard. Yeah. I don't like that one. It gets really old when you're stuck in a group chain. <laughs> so my phone spends a lot of its time on vibrate. Yeah, I would imagine. Needless to say, Being Paul Stanley. <laughs> So you talk about kind of catching shit for as a kid from your peers being Kiss fan, you know, really a Kiss fan out of time, you know, you 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 seem misplaced. What do your parents and everybody think of your obsession with Kiss? My mother fully supported it. Um, my brother gave me a lot of shit about it. He still does. Even but... though he's who got you into it to start with? Well, he never got me into it, though. That's the funny thing. Right. I, I discovered Unplugged kind of on my own just from watching the show. Yeah. He was already no longer a fan by that point. It's kind of um, similar to my brother, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, he would give me a lot of grief about it, to say the least. And he still, every now and then, he'll bust my chops. But at the same time, um, was it, it was two years ago? Was that the Def Leppard tour? I think it was. 2014, yeah. Yeah. Um, a friend set me up with tickets and passes to Atlanta mm-hmm. and called me first thing in the morning, hey, how quick can you get down there? I go, I can get in the car right now. And I didn't have a second person to go with, so I called my brother first. <laughs> and he overslapped. And he's like, oh, sorry, dude, I just got your voicemail. Now I had to work. You know. And so it was like, I still give him grief about that. Because I told him, I go, I know you don't get it. You've never seen the band live. You have to see it. I go, you've never seen it live. When you do, whether you like the music or not, as much shit as he's talked over the years, I know he's going to love it because he likes concerts. He likes people that put on shows. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's the next goal is to get my brother to a Kiss concert. You, you have know? to drive a while so away this time. one time. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about going to the, is it Akron, Ohio? Is that the one? I think or, they're, playing um, they're playing. No, what? Uh, near Kansas Dayton. City also. Dayton, I thought about going to. Yeah. So I think that's like seven hours or something. See, that's the weird thing about us is we'll we'll drive that far mm-hmm. to see a good concert. Sure. Yeah. You know. That's part of the trip's part of the fun. That's right. a yeah. road trip. Yeah. Speaking of concert, tell us about your first Kiss concert. Oh, God, that was amazing. It's the only time I got to see the original lineup, sadly. Um, it was April 21st, 2000, at the, uh, it was the Pepsi Arena in Greenville, South Carolina, which it, now it has a different name. Or no, it was the Bilo Center, and it's got a different name now, but still there. But my mother and I... We went to, there was like a Ticketmaster location in the foyer of this grocery store. Yeah. One of those automated machines. That, yep. And um, so we showed up at something like three or four in the morning. Tickets were going on sale at 10. And um, I just remember 
like, you know, I took like my KISS trading cards and stuff and I stayed up all night, was wearing my KISS t-shirt and, you know, and so these people start showing up and of course I'm nerding out. Uh, I was the, the KISS fan that my mother's family and like my teachers thought I needed psychiatric help (laughs) because it would be you know oh well you know such and such happened to me today and I go oh really the same thing happened to Gene Simmons in 1976 and blah 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 here's what he did I was that guy oh I was that guy too I was that guy I'm still that guy but you know my mother always supported it because you know God bless her she knows the passion that I have, you know, for certain things. Um, like if I lost a limb or two limbs, it wouldn't stop me from playing drums because I love drums that much. It's my life, yeah. you know. If I wasn't a musician, I would be in the music business somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was always very supportive of me being a Kiss fan. So these people start showing up, you know, around like 7 a.m. to get in line. You already been I'm, there for four hours. Yeah, and I'm showing them all the stuff, and we're talking Kiss stories, and they're telling me about their concerts, and right this is going to be my first Kiss show and special night. And then out of nowhere, this like Ticketmaster representative shows up with one of those like bingo ball oh, roller things, no. and they're like, "All right, we're gonna do a uh, we're gonna do a, a lottery for line positions." Ruin that's the and worst. tickets. Here's what happened. Everybody in that room said, absolutely not. We'll do the lottery, but they're going first. Okay. So to those people that, you know, saw the little kid there at that store, thank you. That's cool. Because are the best. We were front of the line. We got 10th row center on the floor. Nice. Like, you know, for me to that wall was... Paul and Gene. Yeah. That's how close we were. That's pretty overwhelming. Her that's, first how kiss wanna, show. Yeah, that's how you want to. Yeah. That's how you want to see your first kiss wow. show. You know, and, and God bless her. We didn't really have the money to do that at the time, but my mother made sure we went and she even set aside a couple hundred bucks that, again, we didn't really have, but a couple hundred bucks so I could get swag. I could nice. get merch at the show. Yeah. And I still have every single piece of merchandise that I got at that concert. That's great. Um, she made me like a bomb ass costume of the Love Gun era, like with proper studs and leather and and all and the zippers that work on the pants. Bullet belts, Peter Chris, the yeah, bullet belts, nice. everything. The platforms she got from, they were like women's petite size shoes, because I was in eighth grade yeah. at the time, so they were smaller. They were like women's hooker boots from an S&M shop in LA <laughs> that she found on some website you know and ordered them in right. because they were out of the furry ones that I wanted but <laughs> we got them and we made them look like the love gun boots awesome. you know and so that show was extremely special for me because I remember they descended yep. from the lighting rig the and as soon as the song was over like I got choked up and I almost cried because you're so used to seeing the one song in the movies and it's over. Yeah. And then I realized, oh shit, I got another hour and a half of this. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. And my mother says she doesn't remember much about the show because she was watching me 
see my gods yeah and just getting off and she's like crying and i had moments with each individual guy in the show which was so cool um paul when he flew over for love gun you know i was on the chair and right there under his boot and he's like pointing straight down and kind of gives me like the thumbs up and I'm sure he gave to everybody else, but here I am, a kid, special. in a full-on... De- like, people were stopping to get photos with me, yeah, and this, nice. this costume was amazing. Yeah. And I had drawn the tattoos on my arms oh, and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Teased the hair up and <laughs> took the two hours to do the makeup right. And, um, and Ace was standing center during one of the tunes earlier... And kept shooting pigs. Mm -hmm. And it was obvious he was trying to get them out to me because he stood in the same spot and they landed about two rows in front of me every time. And he must have shot eight guitar picks before he finally like shrugged his shoulders and walked off. Like he tried. tried. He did try. (laughs) You know, and then eventually on eBay I bought one of the the Greenville farewell picks. Yeah, those were cool. I thought I liked that. Gene when he flew up for God of Thunder, I was on top of the chair again and, you know, did the eyes white and spit my tongue out and looked up at him just in time to see him point down and do the same thing back at me. And Peter, which being a fan, this was the coolest fucking moment. I bought a bootleg VHS of the the show and you can still see it on there. Peter, during Rock and Roll All Night at the end, when they're trash canning, after Paul breaks the guitar, and he's like, good night, we love you, and they're still making all the noise. I'm on top of my chair, just looking at him, just wide-eyed, and I'm pumping my fist in the air as hard as I can. He stops hitting the cymbals and points at me and starts pumping his fists. And I look over at my mother, and I am like, oh, my God. And she goes, I know, baby. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. And he goes back to hitting the cymbals. Oh, and I'm like, wow. fuck, that's it. I can die happy yeah, now. My, awesome. my idol just acknowledged me. Yeah. I'm, oh, my God, I'm done. You couldn't have had you know, a better first concert. I slept 15 hours after that show. <laughs> no, exhausted. No bullshit, dude. I... Because, like an idiot, I didn't wear earplugs. Oh. So I felt like I was, I had earplugs in for about oh, yeah. two days. Yeah. I had no voice and I slept 15 hours. It was great. <laughs> it was fucking worth it. Yeah. I, I'll never forget that show. That was near the end of the tour, wasn't it? For South uh, Carolina. Well, no, Charleston. Well, that tour. Was that one of the last dates, though? No, uh, Charleston was October, okay. and that was the very last one. So this was a different leg of the tour. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because they had started that tour, was it September? Oh, I couldn't tell you on that. I'm I'd have to days. look. I was thinking it was somewhere like right in the middle, because this was still in 2000, and then they did another leg in 2001 mm-hmm. with Eric and right. Ace, of course. Mm-hmm. And then did the Olympic thing. Well, uh, let me ask you this: because so you saw the original lineup for your first show, mm-hmm. and then things kind of go to hell with the band as far as, or just the transition with yeah. Eric coming in, and then all of a sudden Ace is gone, and Peter, you know, back and forth. Yeah. As a new fan to the band, how what did you think of all that when it was going? Were you like, what the hell's going on with my band? Yeah, I was, I was pissed. 
<laughs> it's like they don't have Peter playing. But at the same time, I was such an Eric Singer fan that yeah. I didn't really give a shit. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, that's weird. They put him in the makeup because at the time, his version of the makeup looked a little strange. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, but you know, which it's evolved to become its own thing. Right. Um, but I don't know. It was kind of weird for me. But I had seen them, and as far as I knew, that was the end of it. Yeah. Well, and I then they announced too. the Aerosmith tour. Yeah. A year or two years later. 2003, yeah. And it was like, oh, I guess they're not done. Right. You know? And my Uncle Peter called me, and uh, he was like, hey, a buddy of mine's working for Kiss on this tour, and he's offered me tickets tonight if you can get down here. Or I think it was the next night, maybe. He goes, be on standby and I'll call you back. <clears throat> and he had blown out one of his eardrums in a surfing accident months earlier and had surgery recent to that. And he called his doctor to check with him, and I guess the doctor said, well, it's not really a good idea, and it's too soon for you to put your plugs in. And mm. So that got scrapped. That would have been my second time seeing... Peter, but yeah. from what I heard, I didn't really miss much. Yeah, I heard mixed things about that tour. Yeah. He had, he had good nights and bad nights. Yeah, I can say this though, uh, the farewell tour they weren't doing a drum solo. Yeah, uh, at least the first chunk of it they weren't. And by God, when he played Greenville, he took an extended solo in Hundred Thousand Years. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know if maybe there was a technical issue where they just let him play longer, or if he bitched enough, or right. what happened, but. That was the coolest shit, because I'd even told my mother, I was like, yeah, it sucks, Peter doesn't get a drum solo in this show. Yeah. They want to play extra music. And sure enough, when they were doing 100,000 Years and Paul left the stage, he started, you know, he's doing the typical triplet thing and did a little bit of the point, mm-hmm. you know, from the, the old solo, the reunion solo, I guess. Right. And... uh but even my mom, she's like, oh my God, he gets a solo, baby. <laughs> you know, she was so happy for me to see Your that. Mom sounds like the best. My mom's the shit. <laughs> Thank you, cool. Mom. I love you. <laughs> I can't say enough good things about that woman. She is an angel and a saint in my eyes. Uh, you know, shit, I wouldn't have my first drum kit if it wasn't for her. Yeah, uh, but she's she's got stories where she was pregnant with me, you know, and she knew I was a drummer. Yeah. You know, the record would stop and I'd stop kicking. And then when the next song started, I would start again. Or, wow. Uh, lots of lots and lots of cool stories yeah. from her about it. That's great. That's very cool. Well, we uh, appreciate you coming back out to do this. Cause yeah. Third time's a charm. Yeah. Lucky number three. Number three. Don't be a stranger. Please come back on again. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun talking about Kiss and Kiss in July. What's going on with Accept? Uh, so we're working on a new record. Um, Wolf's solo album Headbanger Symphony just came out on the first yeah. and uh, he was cool enough to ask me to play drums in the video so that was awesome Right. Uh, he'd been working on that album for I think like 8 or 10 years wow. something like that just in his spare time Right. because he started doing a follow up to the first one that came out in like 96 or 97 and then Accept kicked up right around the time he really got into it mm. And he even played, uh, I think it's Scherzo, he played a snippet of that um, for Andy Sneap, mm-hmm. who's 
been the band's producer the last few records. And Andy goes, absolutely not. That's going to be an accept riff. <laughs> and it turned out to be Teutonic Terror. Oh, yeah, I love which that. relaunched the yeah. band. Yeah, that's great. That's you know, great stuff. So, but yeah, so that's out, and he's doing press for that. And I know he and uh, Peter have been writing and doing all that. We go out, uh, our next tour starts in January. I think January 7th is the first date over in Europe. Okay. And that's looking like that's going to be probably three months nonstop. And then at some point after that, then we'll start our next leg of the tour and mm. just go for, I would imagine, another till the end of 2018, probably. Nice. Any well, there you go, Europe, except coming? is coming. Nothing confirmed at the moment, mm-hmm. but we've all talked about it, and it's looking like that's that's a definite possibility. Because cool. we all want to do it, you know, um, with the exception of, a, I think, six or seven shows there there wasn't an american tour for blind rage mm-hmm. uh, for blood of the nations and stalingrad there were right and blind rage didn't have it so i think this next album i, I think it's going to happen cool mm-hmm. we all want it to yeah i want to see you know yeah the timing and the market has to be there and, right you know but i'd love to come back here with them and just fucking kick everybody's teeth in Bring show them, the, show them how it's done. Bring out the B rig and play that on there. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do get Christmas in July this year, so I'll call DW. And uh, for those of you in the Nashville area, um, to see Christmas in July, July 30th, right? July 30th at the Exit Inn. Exit Inn. So it's gonna be awesome. Aaron and I will be there, yeah. and uh, we'll be covering it. And uh, can you stick around and do a little bit of VIP stuff with us real fast? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely, brother. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 